Hey friends, what's going on? Man, it is good to be with you today. Whether you're watching on YouTube Live or Facebook Live or on your phone, your laptop, TV, we're so glad that you are tuning in with us today. My name is Jeremy West. I'm the missions pastor and prayer director here at Antioch. And man, I just wanna extend a warm welcome to all of our church family. Love you guys. Um, man, just can't wait to see you. I've got to see a few people here and there. I really look forward to being back together, hopefully very soon. If you're a guest with us, welcome. We're so glad that you're tuning in. We hope more than anything that you see Jesus, that you encounter Jesus, that you know that God really loves you and has a great plan for your life. Um, today, we're wrapping up our, our series on prayer, on how to pray with part four. And we believe that in this time, just God has invited us as a church um, in the midst of the uncertainty and even heavy things going on in our culture, he's invited us to come to him and to learn to pray again, to, to stir up a devotion and a fervency in prayer. He's calling us to a deeper devotion and fervent uh, prayer. And so that's what we want to do. And in, in the book of Acts, we see in the Bible that this is what the church was doing. They were living in the same kind of unique time, political tension, racial stuff going on, economic uncertainty, daily pressures of, of life in that day. And in the midst of all of that, we see that church, that early church, before it was actually even officially launched, that they were de together devoted uh, to prayer. That's awesome. You know, behind the scenes, before the breakthrough, before the church was even born, that was going to change the known world, the people of God were devoted to prayer. And as they cried out to the Lord with worship and prayer, God moved powerfully in them and through them to change the world. And as you, you read through the book of Acts, I hope you have, and I, and I hope you do. The story of the church, man, it's easy to see. They're praying in upper rooms. They're praying on rooftops. They're praying in homes, in the temple, uh, on the road as they're walking. They're even praying for the people that are persecuting them while they're in prison. I mean, they're praying all the time. It's easy to see that prayer was a, a priority. It was a top priority for the early church. And why? because it was a top priority in the life of Jesus. These guys had lived and walked and talked with Jesus and they saw that Jesus was devoted to prayer and he's inviting us to that same life. You know, truly, Jesus said that his community, his church, he prophesied it and he commanded it would be a house of prayer for all the nations in Mark eleven seventeen, 17. And so as a church family, that's exactly what we wanna do. That's exactly who we want to be, men and women and children of prayer, just like the early church. You know, we're called to be a people who are together devoted to prayer behind the scenes before the breakthroughs. God has called us to be a house of prayer for all nations. Now, I wanna be very clear with this. If we as a family are called to be a house of prayer, and we are called to be together devoted in prayer, friend, that means that you have a part to play. As a part of this family, you have a significant part to play in this great story. You have a vital role in shaping history for the glory of God through prayer. You're called as a son and daughter of God to encounter Jesus in prayer. You're called to practice the ways of Jesus in prayer, to do exactly what he did. You and I, we have a part to play in building God's kingdom in our city, nation, nations of the earth through prayer. And so I hope today's encouraging, equipping, inspiring for you to live out this calling on your life. Now we've introduced over the last few weeks, this acronym, P-R-A-Y, that kind of serves as a roadmap 
for spending time in prayer, whether you're doing it with your life group or in one of our uh, many weekly house of prayer, prayer times, or whether you're uh, with your family or alone in your time with God. This is a great acronym. It's very simple, P-R-A-Y. We got it from a guy named Pete Gregg, who's a pastor in the UK. And it stands for pause, rejoice, ask, and yield. In the past several weeks, We've been exploring what this looks like. We've, we've looked at what it means to pause, what it means to rejoice, what it means to ask things of God in prayer. And I encourage you, you can listen to the podcast, get caught up um, on those sermons online if you miss them. Now, today we're going to dive into what does it mean to yield in prayer? Now, I don't know about you, but the word yield kind of brings up a little bit of a frustration in me because when I think of yielding, my mind immediately goes to driving. <laughs> and if you live in DFW, driving is basically survival. <laughs> it is survival. I mean, the truth is, is that uh, everyone out there, everyone else out there stinks at yielding, at least in my opinion, right? People are crazy, man. I think all the times I got cut off when I was trying to merge onto the highway uh, and got shoved into the shoulder. I mean, it's really everyone else's problem. Never mind all the times I ran a yellow light or I saw that yellow light. I didn't hit the brake. I hit the gas. I'm going to try to beat this, this yellow light. Forget yielding. Or the time when I saw the yield sign I actually sped up to get in front of the other car uh, that had the right of way. Or I'm embarrassed to say the time I refused poor grandma driving the Oldsmobile to, to merge in front of me on LBJ. Or times I've been distracted, missed the, the, the important signs right in front of me and missed my turn. Man, it's really everyone else's problem, right? No, no, not at all. We all struggle with this. We all struggle with these blind spots. We struggle with yielding. Now, some of you, you're shaking your head right now. Some husband out there probably just got elbowed by their wife on the couch because you know you struggle with this too. Now, I don't know, you may or may not struggle with it in driving, okay? I'll give you that. But we all, we all, all have this in common, whether you're not even a Christian, whether you're a new Christian, whether you're a seasoned saint, if you're a stay-at-home mom, young professional, businessman, where, wherever you find yourself in life, when it comes to prayer, we all, even the most spiritually minded of us, often struggle to yield and to listen and pay attention to what God is wanting to say to us. I mean, it's so easy to get focused on our list and, and the things that we need to ask God and the things that we desire and the things we need him to break through in and show up in. And we forget to yield and listen to him, giving him time to speak to us, allowing him to get a word in in the conversation. Too often times our, our prayer can look a little bit like this. Ouch. Every time I see that video, I cringe a little bit. I'm not, I'm not gonna lie. And, and I feel guilty uh, because I've turned prayer into a one-way street, a one-way conversation with God where I talk the whole time and I tell him everything and I don't take time to listen. I don't take time to listen. And then the times when I do listen, sadly, sometimes I hesitate and I don't obey and I don't follow through with what God is speaking to me in prayer. And if you relate with this, man, just know you're not the only one. I mean, I struggle with it. Uh, one of Jesus' earliest followers, a guy named Peter, man, he was a leader in the early church. He saw the sick healed. He raised someone from the dead. He walked through the streets, and the, and the scripture says that his shadow healed people. 
I mean, man, this is a holy, mighty man of God. But he even struggled sometimes to yield to God in prayer. Man, but when he did yield, and when he did listen to God's voice, you know, something really incredible happened. Greater than he ever dreamt was ever even possible through his life. Something that he got to be a part of. And we're going to read about it today, starting in Acts chapter 10, verse 1. So grab your Bible, turn to Acts chapter 10. We're going to read together. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of what was known as the Italian cohort, a devout man who feared God with all of his household, gave alms generously to the people, and prayed continually to God. So here is a man, he's not even a Christian. He's not a disciple of Jesus. He's an Italian dude. He's a commander of about 100 soldiers in the Roman army. And even though he wasn't a disciple of Jesus uh, yet or, or a follower of Jesus, he was an outsider, he fears God and he wants to know God. He's actually doing everything that he knows how to do up to that point. He's giving to the poor and he's praying. I don't know what his prayer sounded like, but man, it was, it was probably just honest and raw and real and just, God, if you're out there, I want to know you. And that's what he did. Verse three, it says about the ninth hour of the day, that's 3 p.m., which was also the Jewish hour of prayer, which means this guy, he's likely praying because he's devout. He saw clearly in a vision an angel of God come in and say to him, Cornelius, he has a vision. Now, whether it was an open vision that he saw with his physical eyes or a vision that he saw in his, in his mind's eye, we don't know. But the angel starts a conversation with him by calling his name Cornelius. And he stared at him in terror, as we all would, right? Seeing an angel in a vision. But he responds, he says, what, what is it, Lord? So he responds, and that's important. I don't want to move past this too quick. Many times God will get our attention. He'll call our name. Hey, Jeremy. He'll, he'll reach out to us, but not immediately tell us what he wants to say. He wants us to respond. He is a relational God, and he desires a dialogue. And so he calls Cornelius' name and waits for him to respond, to engage, to yield. And he does. And then the angel says, he said to him, your prayers and your alms, meaning your gifts to the poor, have ascended as a memorial before God. God has is, God is seen what's, what's been going on in your life, bro. He's seen it. He's, he's heard your prayers. He's seen your gifts uh, to the poor. Every word you've been praying, God's seen it. Verse five, and now send men to Joppa and bring one, Simon, who is called Peter. He is lodging with one, Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the sea. So this angel in this vision gives him very clear, very direct, very detailed instructions about a guy named Peter who's 30 miles away in another city called Joppa, who is staying with a guy named Simon, who is a tanner who lives right by the sea. Very, very specific. He doesn't know anything about this guy, Peter. He doesn't know anything about what, okay, well, why this guy, what, like what's going on? Well, why do you want me to get Peter? But you know what? He's eager to know God. And so he yields. Verse seven, when the angel who spoke to him had departed, he called two of his servants and a devout soldier from among those who attended him. And having related everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. So he obeys immediately. 
He's yielding to God in prayer. God gives him a direction. Boom, he jumps right on it and obeys. Verse nine, the next day, as they were on their journey approaching the city, so uh, the servants and the devout soldier that Cornelius has sent, uh, as they're approaching the city, Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour, which was noon, to pray. So Peter's going to his place of encounter, which we talked about in, in week one of this series. He's, he's up on the roof, uh, it's about noon, and he's gonna spend some time just seeking God in prayer. Verse 10, he became hungry and wanted something to eat. Remember, it's lunchtime, it's noon. So his stomach kind of starts rumbling, gets a little distracted probably, you know, maybe thinking about lunch, maybe <laughs> you've done that. I know I have, you know, I start praying and you start, minds kind of start wandering, thinking about, you know, lunch, what am I gonna eat? Uh, when's the food gonna be ready? When, when is this time up? You know, all of that, that's what's going on here with Peter. And But while they were preparing the food, he fell into a trance. Now, this is crazy. All right, and he saw the heavens open and something like a great sheet descending, being let down by its four corners upon the earth. So get, get this scene. So he's hungry, he's trying to pray, and then he falls into a sort of intense daydream about food. <laughs> I mean, like, okay, is this really God? Is this like my stomach? I'm hungry. Like, what's going on? Is my imagination? What's going on here? Verse 12, uh, in it, in that sheet, in the, in the vision, there were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. And there came a voice to him, rise, Peter, kill and eat. So he's hungry and he has this vision of animals, literally like bacon wrapped shrimp dropping down in front of him. And God says, kill and eat. But Peter said, by no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. I mean, Peter straight up, he just says, no thanks to the bacon-wrapped shrimp God is sending because it was considered ceremonially unclean by the Jews. You know, but Jesus had, Jesus had already talked about this. You know, in Mark, in Mark 7, 19, Jesus declared all foods to be clean. And Peter, I guess, had forgotten that. So what's going on here? Verse 15, the voice came to him again, a second time. What God has made clean, do not call common. What in the world? Food's coming down, bacon wrapped, shrimp. God saying what I've made clean, don't call common. What is going on? You know, God takes Peter to round two. And again, Peter refuses to yield. Verse 16, this happened three times. All right. Peter's all about three times, right? You know, three times deny Jesus, three times the Lord asked him, do you love him? Here, three times, and the thing was taken back up at once to heaven. So finally, I mean, it was like a good <laughs> UFC match. God takes Peter to round three, repeats the same thing again and again, telling Peter, eat the bacon-wrapped shrimp. Sometimes, friends, sometimes God speaks to us in very unusual ways. You know, he speaks in a very strange way in order to get our attention. But you know what? We must lean in. We must pursue understanding. If we're going to yield, if we're going to yield, we can't just move on when we don't understand something right away. When God speaks to us and it feels mysterious or we don't fully understand, we can't just move on. We've got to ponder and ask the Lord for interpretation, for application. Years ago, when I was in college, I worked at Cracker Barrel. 
I was a waiter at Cracker Barrel, so I worked all the different shifts. And, and one day I was finishing up my, my shift and one of the things we had to do is roll our silverware and count our tips. So I finished rolling silverware, my feet are hurting, kind of tired, it's been a long day, and I'm counting up my tips before I can clock out and go home. And as I was counting up my tips, I felt like the Holy Spirit impressed on my heart this, this phrase, Jeremy, give all your tips away. And I was like, uh, what? It just kind of like startled me. Not an audible voice, nothing crazy like that. Just I had this sense in my heart, Jeremy, give your tips away. And so I responded. I said, okay, to who? And I w just whispered this to the Lord, to who? And immediately when I said that, one of my coworkers kind of was walking right behind me and she yelled, Jeff! She was yelling at another coworker. She just yelled his name. I mean, it was so startling. I said, Lord, to who? Jeff! And I was like, oh, whoa, okay, what happened? But I just, from that, I kind of had this sense. God was inviting me to give all my tips away to one of my coworkers named Jeff. Jeff was an older guy. I was kind of intimidated by him. He was kind of crude sometimes. And so I was just like, oh, okay, like, is this really you, Lord? I'm a college student. I mean, 160 bucks is actually a lot of money for me. But I sensed that God was saying, give your tips away to Jeff. So, bold man of faith that I am, I didn't yield right away. But instead, I went and I got in my car. <laughs> and I wrestled with the Holy Spirit. I wrestled with the Holy Spirit, just like Peter. Now, back to our story in Acts. Verse 17. Now, Peter, he was inwardly perplexed. He's going, what in the world is going on as to what the vision that he had seen might mean? He's startled. I mean, this vision, he's like, what in the world is God trying to say to me? I mean, this is so clear, all right? What's the interpretation? What's the application? Um, you know, what does it mean? All he knows is, I just feel weird. I feel uncomfortable. And I've seen like bacon wrapped shrimp coming out and God's telling me to eat. Like, what do I do? So as he's in that place, behold, the men who were sent by Cornelius, having made inquiry for Simon's house, stood at the gate and called out to, to ask whether Simon, who was called Peter, was lodging there. And while Peter was pondering the vision, so he's, he's just playing this vision back through his mind. He's pondering, maybe he's even praying about it. God, what does this mean? What, what do you want me to do? Like, what, what, what is this all about? He's, as, he's, as he is pondering it, trying to, <laughs> trying to yield, check this out. The Holy Spirit said to him, three men are looking for you. Rise and go down and accompany them without hesitation, for I have sent them. So as he ponders, the Holy Spirit whispers to him the next step. And it's super clear, clear, super detailed. Three men, they're coming for you. Go with them immediately. I don't want to hyper-spiritualize this, you know, this experience. Likely, you know, Peter heard the Holy Spirit through, through sensing an inward impression, much like what I had while I was counting up my tips at Cracker Barrel, a still small voice. Verse 21, and Peter went down to the men and said, I am the one you're looking for. What is the reason for your coming? He didn't go and say, hey, I'm ready to go. God spoke that I'm supposed to go. He, he starts asking them some questions, and that's okay. Verse 22, and they said, Cornelius, a centurion, an upright and God-fearing man, who he's well spoken of by the whole Jewish nation, was directed by a holy angel to send for you to come to his house and to hear what you have to say. Wow. I mean, this is incredible. As a pastor, as a church leader, what more could you ask for? I mean, you've been praying. 
God gives you a vision. The Holy Spirit speaks in detail to you about what to do next. And then you go down and this situation is playing out literally just like God show you, showed you. So, so, so what did you do? Well, you know, what did Peter do? So he invited them in to be his guests. He hesitates. The Spirit says, go without hesitation. Literally, go without hesitation. But Peter hesitates. He doesn't yield to the Lord. He, he maybe needs more time to think about it. Okay, maybe, you know, maybe he thought, what, what, what's going on? A centurion is sending for me. I mean, I've already been put in prison for my faith. You know, centurions were the one that crucified Jesus. Like, maybe they're going to arrest me. Maybe this is a trap. Maybe this is a setup. He's unsure that this is God speaking. Maybe having some doubts. Maybe he's just being selfish, you know, and just doesn't want to go right now. I, I can relate with that, you know. Lord, help my doubting heart. But... We, we continue. The next day, so they spend the night. The next day, he went away with them. And he took some of the brothers from Joppa, and they accompanied him. And that's wise. I want to just pause here and, and point this out. When God speaks something to you that you don't understand, when you're yielding, you're taking a time of prayer, you're yielding, God speaks something to you that, man, I don't understand what this means. A great thing to do would be to bring other people into it, to discern God's voice together. So Peter's like, I think I'm supposed to go. I don't know if I'm going to get arrested or what's going to happen. Can y'all come with me and just, just kind of be on this journey with me? So they go. Verse 24, the following day they entered Caesarea and Cornelius was expecting them. He might've been expecting them the night before, you know, because God said go immediately. But anyways, uh, he's been expecting them and he'd called together his relatives and close friends. And he's so excited. He didn't hesitate. They've been waiting for an answer. I mean, they've just been sitting there saying, well, all right, when's this guy going to come? Like, what, Cornelius, why don't you bring us over here? Like, what's going on? You had a vision? You sent for someone? What, what's, what's happening? When Peter entered, Cornelius, I love this. Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshiped him. <laughs> I love it. Cornelius, he's so excited. He doesn't even, uh, you know, know what to do exactly. And so he just bows down to Peter. But Peter, you know, lifts him up saying, stand up. I too am a man. And, he taught, uh, and as he talked with him, he went in and found many persons gathered. So there's his whole crew. I mean, this guy was expecting God to do something. He was expecting God to do something. He had so much faith that God was going to move. He invited his friends and family uh, to be a part of it. And he didn't even know what it was that he was asking them to be a part of. Verse 28, he said to them, you yourselves know, this is Peter talking, you yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or to visit anyone of another nation. So what's going on here is there's some systemic racism going on. Hmm. I, I wonder what that was like. I mean, you know, good thing that we don't have to deal with that in our culture or anything, right? That's what's happening. But God has shown me, God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. Wow. When you yield, God shows you stuff. And Peter's yielding and listening to the Lord in prayer and his willingness to follow the Spirit's leading, anyone who didn't know what was going on, was actually the catalyst for dismantling systemic racism. Got it. Now this is getting interesting. Verse 29, so when I was sent for, I came without objection. He hesitated, but God is gracious. God's so patient. He knows that we're seeing through a mirror dimly, that we're hearing faintly. And at the end of the day, Peter still obeyed and he didn't resist God. And so he says, I asked then, 
why you sent for me? Cornelius said, four days ago, about this hour, I was praying in my house, the ninth hour, and behold, a man stood from me, bright clothing. Uh, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your alms have been remembered before God. Send therefore to Joppa and ask Simon, who is called Peter. He is lodging in the house of Simon the Tanner by the sea. So I sent for you at once. That's what I did. And you've been kind enough to come. Now, therefore, we're all here in the, in the presence of God to hear all that you've been commanded by the Lord. And this is incredible. I, mean, I didn't get goosebumps even as I'm, I'm reading it again. And this man who is not a disciple of Jesus, he's so hungry, he's so expectant, though he doesn't even know Jesus, he's yielding to God in prayer and he's more expectant than even Peter and all the disciples of Jesus in the room. Verse 34, so Peter he opens his mouth. Things are becoming clear now. Right, this wasn't about the bacon rack shrimp. I think something else is going on here and I'm, and I'm going with it and I'm trusting God. And so he opens his mouth and he says, truly, I understand that God shows no partiality. That is a powerful statement. Through prayer, through yielding, God has given him revelation about something that was going on in his own heart where he was showing partiality, where he was, was saying, you know, God can do this with these people, but not this with these other people. He was showing things in his heart, and now he's getting it. And as Peter speaks, we can literally hear the bricks from the wall of racism begin to fall to the ground. Everyone's misconceptions, prejudices, they just begin to crumble. Verse 35, in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. Wow, I mean, this is awesome revelation being poured out. Everything is coming into focus through obedience and yielding. It's not about break and wrap shrimp. It's about bringing God, bringing people to himself from the nations. God is shifting people's paradigms. So Peter shares the gospel with them. Verse 36, the word that he sent to Israel, preaching the good news of peace through Jesus Christ. You yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning with Galilee, the baptism of John, uh, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. We're going to skip to verse 42. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to judge the living and the dead. To him, all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him, in Jesus, receives the forgiveness of sins. <laughs> now we're having church, man. Come on. But wait, what? watch what happens next because of the expectant, yielding heart posture of Cornelius and his friends. Verse 44, and, and while Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers from among them, the circumcised who had come with Peter, they're amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles, the people of a different race. For they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. <laughs> Let's go. They're baptized in the Holy Spirit. They're speaking in tongues. They're extolling God. Lives are being changed. And Peter's just like, okay, <laughs> my mind's completely blown. I'm yielding to God. And now, I mean, can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people? I mean, they've received the Holy Spirit just as we have. And he commanded them all to be baptized in the name of Jesus. Then they asked him, please remain with us a few days. Man, what an incredible story. 
I mean, we who are Gentiles, we who are Gentiles are all in Christ today because of what God did through two men who are willing to yield. Imperfect, broken as they were, they still chose to yield and respond to the Lord in prayer. As I sat there in that parking lot of Cracker Barrel wrestling with God in prayer, I asked him for grace. I mean, I honestly was like, at this point, I know this is you. I don't understand why. I don't understand how this is all going to work out. But Lord, help me to truly yield. And God gave me grace. I got out of my car, walked back into the Cracker Barrel, found Jeff. He was over in the corner sweeping up, cleaning up his tables. And I told him, I said, hey, Jeff, you know, I know you don't know me. My name's Jeremy. You know, I work here. And I just wanted you to know, God told me today as I was counting my tips, he told me to give you all of my tips from the day. And I handed him about $160 and change. His jaw hit the floor. He said, what, wait, what, what? God, God told, you're saying God told you to give me your tips? Are, are you sure? Like God said this? Are you, are you sure? I was like, yeah, man, like I'm a follower of Jesus. God told me to give you my tips. And he says, you're, well, you're not going to believe this. He says, he said, I am, uh, I, this morning I was so stressed because my girlfriend and, and, and our daughter, we got to notice that our electricity would be turned off tomorrow if we didn't pay the bill. And half-heartedly, as I was coming to, to work today, I'm not even really a religious person. I, I just kind of asked God for a miracle. I just said, I don't really believe, I don't know, but God, I need a miracle. And here is someone telling me that God told him to give me this money. He was undone. You know, the next day he showed up at work with a big smile on his face. He brought his electric bill to work. And he showed me, and he said, look, what we owed on the electric bill was the exact amount of money that you gave us. He had it highlighted. He's running around telling everyone, hey, you know, thanks for the power of prayer. This is amazing. Like, Jeremy, you need to get him to pray for you. He's a man of God. And I'm like, what is happening, right? I mean, he's so excited. He's telling it me. He keeps telling me all day, like, thanks for the power of prayer. Thanks for the power of prayer. I'm like, I don't even know what that really means. You know, he's telling everyone I'm a holy man of God. It's crazy. God touched him. Man, I was so glad God gave me the grace to yield in that moment. And friends, through the scriptures, throughout my life experiences, I've, I've learned this to be true. And I know many of you have as well. That yielding to God in prayer yields fruit and miracles in our life. Yielding to God in prayer yields fruit and miracles in our life. When we choose to yield to God in prayer and he speaks and we follow him, he yields fruit and miracles in our life. Let that sink in for a second. So, so what do we do? Now, how do we put this into practice? Now, how do I hear God's voice? What, you know, how do I know it's God? And how do I know it's me? Or how do I know if it's because I'm hungry? How do I discern? Is there something I can do to grow in yielding to God? Absolutely. Absolutely. Whether you're a new believer like Cornelius or you're an experienced believer like Peter, we all have room to grow in ways that we can be proactive in yielding to hear God's voice. Let me be clear, this is for everyone. Jesus said that his sheep hear his voice and he calls his sheep by name and he leads them out. The prophet Joel spoke and Peter quoted in Acts 2, 17, and in the last days it shall be God declares, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. That includes you, friend, and all your sons and daughters 
shall prophesy. That means they shall hear God and be able to speak things that God is saying. And your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. Everybody is included in hearing God. These are the days we're living in. God has given us his spirit. He's speaking to his people. He's leading us, giving us wisdom. He's giving us direction. He's giving solutions. God is on the move. Everybody gets to be part of it. And here's some steps that you can take to posture your heart, to yield and to listen to God, as well as some common ways that God speaks. First, I just want to say, to hear God consistently, we got to practice slowing down. Turn off the TV, be still, and wait on God. Ask God to speak to you. Get in the habit of setting aside time to pause, to rejoice, to ask, and then to yield. And just say, Lord, speak to me. And as you do this over time, you'll become more and more aware and attentive of God's voice. You'll grow in learning to recognize his voice, just like being able to recognize the voice of a close friend on the phone. So I wanna encourage you to do that and get on the journey to, to hearing God and, and yielding to him. It takes time, but little by little, you will learn and you will grow in this. I wanna list out some common ways that God speaks and he reveals things. And I share these with you so that you can be on the lookout, okay? So that so you can be attentive, you can be aware. Some of these are subtle and you'll miss it if you're not being intentional to yield. The first is God speaks through the scriptures, absolutely. Nothing God ever says prophetically will ever contradict the scriptures. You know, hearing God through the scriptures is essential and foundational to hearing God's voice prophetically. You know, feed on the word of God, all of God's word. You know, how, I was thinking about this. How should we expect to hear the voice of Jesus prophetically if we don't take time to hear what Jesus has said in the gospels? Okay, through the scriptures, God is wanting to speak to you. Yield to him in that. Second is the Holy Spirit brings scriptures to remembrance. Jesus said that the Spirit would do this in John 14, 26. He would remind you of all the things I've spoken to you. You know, when you have a random verse pop in your mind, as you're going about your day, or maybe you're praying and just that, that verse pops in your mind, maybe it's not so random. It's the Holy Spirit reminding you of the things that God has already spoken. That's one of the ways God speaks. Through an image, a picture in your mind's eye, or maybe a daydream. Just when you, you close your eyes, maybe you see an image, it may feel faint, kind of like, oh, okay, I don't fully understand that, but God wants to speak in that way. He speaks to his people, his kids in that way. Maybe through a word or a phrase, or a name of a person that comes to mind may seem random. God is speaking, lean into it, through dreams in the night, lyrics to a song. You know, one of the things that I did years ago is I asked the Lord to put a song on my heart when I woke up every morning. And that happens, literally, not, not every morning, but many mornings I'll wake up, and as I'm still like trying to wake up, get out of bed, I, the, the, the lyrics to a song starts rolling through my head. And it gives me an opportunity. Okay, Lord, what are you speaking to me through this song? And I'll play it in my time with the Lord. Um, God speaks through creation. He, his, his handiwork is all around us and he's speaking to his people. Jesus often used creation to give examples of how God is speaking. You know, Jesus said that we're to consider the lilies. When was the last time you stopped to consider the lilies? Because God has a lesson for you in that, that he's gonna provide for you, that he's gonna take care of you, that he sees you, that he's gonna meet your needs, okay? Through creation, through other people, through timely prophetic words shared by others, sometimes even unintentionally. They didn't even know that they were speaking a timely word. They were just encouraging you because they love you. 
God speaks through recurring events and scenarios in your life. You know, th this is going to sound a little bit weird, but I kept seeing in the last year the number 1108. The number 1108. 11, literally, multiple times a day, I would see the number 1108. Someone's license plate. I look at the clock. I walk in. It, I'm seeing it everywhere. 1108. And so I, I've learned to just go, okay, Lord, are you saying something to me, you know, numbers have meaning and there's some, some biblical stuff. I'm not going to get into all that, but I, I looked it up and I was like, okay, what, what do these numbers mean? Well, the number 11 means trial and testing. It means difficulty. And the number 08 or the number eight stands for new birth, new creation, new life. And in that season, I was going through a very difficult time. And, and in that, through, through that situation, through that random occurrence that kept happening, God was getting my attention and he was speaking. Hey, Jeremy, I know that it's a hard time, but there's new birth. There's, there's new life coming around the corner. And it was so encouraging to me. God speaks through world events. You know, typically when God speaks to us and we know that it's God, you know, our body kind of feels it. You know, our heart starts beating faster, maybe our nerves or an indicator. You know, that doesn't happen when I have random fleeting thoughts. But when God speaks, I, I, I kind of know. You know, when we believe God is speaking to us, this is important, that we don't jump to conclusions about the meaning. It's important to ponder and discern. And I encourage you, kind of with this simple pattern that you can do to ponder and discern, because sometimes God speaks an image, but like Peter is like a sheet with, with animals. What does that mean? That didn't mean anything to him at the time. But as he leaned in, as he pondered, God gave revelation little by little. And at the end, he realized God is pouring out his spirit on the Gentiles. That's what this whole thing is about. But God took him on the journey. And that journey is like revelation. The first thing, what did God say or show me? You know, write it down. I saw a picture of a sheep coming down with animals and God saying, kill and eat. Okay, that's revelation. Then what's the interpretation? So what does it mean? What, what does it actually mean? Ask God. Look in the scriptures. Invite someone else in. Hey, I had this, this picture of, a, of a animals coming down out of the cloud of sheep. Do you know what that means? What, what God could maybe be saying? It seems so random. Interpretation. What does it mean? And then when we have interpretation, we ask about application. So how do I apply this? So, so Peter sees this vision, okay? He gets interpretation that God is, is saying something about what he is doing in, in, in bringing Gentiles to faith. So what do I do? The Holy Spirit says, go with the three men. So he goes with the three men. Even though he hesitates, he goes and he applies it. It's important to walk through these things when, when we are hearing God. And I want to say it's also so important to involve Christian community like your life group. There are things that are clear and straightforward that you can just jump on immediately that are they're in line with God's word. But there are other things that are bigger, have greater ramifications. And you should totally bring in other people to the process of yielding with you before making a decision or, or taking big action. You know, remember how Peter did this. He brought his friends along and I encourage you to do the same. Friends, Yielding to God in prayer, man, it yields fruit and miracles in our life. So let's do it together. And I believe we're just beginning to see the, the, the very beginning of the great things God will do as we are intentional about yielding to God in prayer. So before we close, I want to take just 30 seconds to practice together. You know, after taking time to pause, pay attention to God's presence, to rejoice in Him, to ask Him for the things that we need, we need to make room to yield and listen to the Father speak and just say, God, here I am, I'm listening, speak to me.
And so let's do that just for a minute. We'll leave the camera rolling right where you are. Just listen to the Lord. If God gives you a picture or a revelation or a word, ask him, God, what does this mean? What does this mean? How do I interpret this? And what do you want me to do about it? You can ask the Lord for that revelation and application, interpretation. Friends, could it be that the breakthrough to systemic racism in our day, the answer is that the church needs to yield. The church needs to yield to the Lord in prayer and God wants to give solutions and answers and breakthrough in this area. Dream with me for a minute. What might happen if we live and we pray that way? What kind of miracles would we see? What spiritual fruit might the Spirit produce in us? How might God change your own character as you listen to Him and let Him search you? What revelations, solutions to the problems, the challenges, the difficulties we face might God give? Friends, the breakthrough might come. What if it might come if we choose to yield and say yes to the Lord in prayer? God is speaking to us. He's inviting us to yield and listen. So will you yield?